Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Straight out of Austin, Texas, it's On Second Thought, powered by Hook'em.com, with your hosts, statesman sports columnists, Cedric Golden and Kirk Bowles. Often imitated, never duplicated. Hear it here first on Second Thought. On Second Thought, episode 284, brought to you by Hook'em.com. Our good friends at Bud Light said golden here with Taylor's favorite duck, Kirk Bowles, 50 years in the business, still going strong. But the Texas Longhorn basketball team isn't going strong at the moment. Professional radio tees here. We're going to have voice of the Dallas Cowboys, Brad Sham, on in the next segment. Those are going to be a that's probably going to be a little bit better conversation than we're having <laughs> right now, Doug. No, our conversation's always gold plated. So what are you talking about? So I like to hear that, man. Yeah, we bring it. Seventy-eight, sixty-seven. The Texas yeah. Duck. I, that's the kind of game that the Texas Longhorns can win. They they finally got off to a good start against Iowa State. Uh, Tyrese Hunter was making everything. I go. They finally got a good first half going, mm-hmm. and then that old bugaboo shot making. <clears throat> they make shots down the stretch. Would they have like a nine and a half minute drought? Something like yeah. that. But Reminded not me of, that, of the Purdue game in the in the NCAA tournament last year where you couldn't buy a bucket. And then remember they had that stretch where they had like seven turnovers and ten possessions. And just it was just a ragged, sloppy, uneven performance. And horribly officiated. Yeah, if Christian Bishop's your leading scorer, you know, it ain't great because this is a guard-oriented team. We know that. It was good to see Tyrese Hunter have some moments and, you know, some glimpses. He figured he was going to bring it hard uh, for his former uh, program, and he, and he did. But, uh, you know, Marcus Carr didn't have his best game. And, you know, it was kind of predictable. I mean, Iowa State, a very good team. Yes. They're at home. Tyrese Hunter's coming back for the homecoming. They were coming off a near upset of Kansas. And, and Texas had already been on the road and won two games at OU and Oklahoma State. So you're not going to win every road game. We know that. And that's why we, we both wrote about playing at home. It's so important that you've got to hold home court advantage, hold serve, because you know if you win half your games on the road, you're doing good in this league. And the, the fact that they won two, and they're still they're still looking for the signature Big yeah. Twelve win. They've got chances coming up. That would have been a signature, Doug, because it would yeah. have put them in a tie for first place right. with um, with Kansas and Kansas State. They all would have been five and one. But as it is, the Horns are fifteen and three overall, four and two in conference play, entering a a what I believe to be a trap game against a winless in the Big 12 West Virginia on the road Saturday. 
Yeah, you can't go sleepwalking into Morgantown. And, you know, I was looking at the schedule, and, you know, it's not an easy game. They go to West Virginia, then they host uh, Oklahoma State, then they go see Rick Barnes at Tennessee. You're going to that one, aren't you? Uh, oh, yeah, you know I'll be there. Then they got Baylor, and then at K-State, at Kansas. I mean, wh- where's the easy game, you know? We just – well, you got to bring your A game, and that's why, you know, Texas – I think I read somewhere they're like the 12th oldest team in college basketball. That's you a great need, stat. You, you need veterans, you know, that are kind of weather storms like they had. Uh, so uh, it's been a really good team. You know, I, I wrote some about the uh, – uh, coaching search would be coaching search. Uh, we've talked about it a little bit on our podcast. Uh, your gut feel on whether Rodney Terry's got a legitimate chance to get this permanent job said. Why well, you got to bring on my gut? It's his video. I'm trying, Duck. I'm trying. I'm in the gym three times a week. We bring on guts. <laughs> I'm sensitive today. Um, we did legs. So, um, What's your brain instinct? Really like him. Really like Rodney. Good. We both do. We really I do. Just don't think that they're gonna go Rodney long term. Yeah. They. Yeah. Um, and they. I just don't see it. Um. He's got him playing well, but it is an old team. Pretty good leadership on the court. Marcus mm-hmm. Carr is pretty good team leader. Yeah, Rock Cunningham's is. a tough guy. Yeah, I, I like the player led type, um, feel from this team. But I just think there's some names out there that they got to entertain. And um, who would you look at if you're well, I've already been on record? Uh, Jay Wright, if he wants Jay. to come out of retirement, Jay Wright is is the number one guy. He wouldn't have left Villanova if he was wanting to keep coaching. And he's spent his whole career up there. We and don't. We don't uh, know. Maybe he got tired of his bosses at Villanova. You know, we don't know. They just find maybe. You know, everything gets stale. And if he's looking to get back in, and we do know what that, that coaching bug is, that coaching bug. Yeah. Not everybody I, leaves and doesn't come I, back. I think there's less than 1% chance that Jay Wright would consider Texas. Where, you know, you haven't recruited Texas and you don't know one high school coach from another and you don't know if Dallas is in the Rio Grande Valley or hold where. On. But, hey, hold on with that stuff, Duck. What? This is not in 2010. This is 2023, where you don't really need to know the state to, to assemble a good basketball team. This oh, is the hell. era of free agency. It's about You've relationships. You've got the transfer portal now, and you and teams don't want they they're not as excited about freshmen as they are about juniors and seniors that know what they're doing. So you can't tell me that Jay Wright couldn't come down here assemble a team of veteran basketball players and make it happen. Oh, I wouldn't say that he could, but I just don't think he has any uh, want to as far as that. I'd be shocked if Jay Wright really considered Texas. I really would. I'd be shocked if Mark Few did. Yeah, comfortable. They're both comfortable. Jay in retirement, Mark in the Pacific Northwest. I got to ask you about the sexy name out there, Jerome Tang. Is is doing yeoman's yeah. work at Kansas State. Yeah, the, the Wildcats beat Kansas 83-82 in overtime on Tuesday night. He's got the little apple rocking right now. He goes expect wins from now on. 
expect wins. He goes, I promise you a court storming. You got it at Bramlage. Uh, people are loving on Jerome Tang, the early candidate duck for national coach of the year. I don't know who else you would mention. Maybe Shaka Smart. Marquette's doing very well, too. But I don't know if he would leave after one year, you know, at K-State, which took a chance on him, gave him that head coaching job and plucked him out of Baylor off of Scott Drew's staff. Uh, I think he's a darn good coach, too. I, I I put this in my nine things last week. K-State may be the, the basketball version of TCU in football. Wow. It, it's just all coming together, and now they're not Except, except what? what's that? TCU wasn't in the best football conference in in the country. K State is in the best basketball conference, so thereby, therefore, K State has a much better chance of winning a national championship than TCU. Well, they got two studs in Marquise Noel, who's boy. Addition point guard out of Harlem, five-year senior, and Keontae Johnson, the transfer from Florida. Remember where he collapsed on the court with a heart condition? He, he's probably going to be the comeback player of the year. I mean, you got that two alley-oop. That alley-oop play. Yeah, oh, well, he scored like the fat last five points of the game, too. He wouldn't let him lose. He wouldn't let him lose. Athletic. I mean, they, they just came in here to Moody and – Lift this place up 116 points. Remember, they, they got to the basket anytime they wanted, you know. And they were making everything they threw up from the outside. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what – I haven't looked at – you know, because I know they're updating the uh, ESPN bracketology uh, projections like twice a week now. I haven't looked yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're up to a, the three seed or maybe maybe even higher than that. Texas was a three seed. I don't know if they've redone it since uh, the loss to Iowa State uh, – uh, Tuesday night, but uh, I bet Texas, they probably get through the weekend first. Yeah, Texas has been a three seed, and uh, I don't know. I you, you like this Texas team? I mean, the thing I like about them is in March you've got to have guards, and they're a very good free throw shooting team, you know. And uh, they've got three or four guys. I mean, Jabari Rice is like automatic at the line. Marcus Carr's good. Uh, uh, Brock, Brock Cunningham makes his free throws. Oh, yeah, he does too. But, you know, I worry about the threes. They're just, you know, Marcus Carr's having a terrific year, but you got to have several guys that can hit that three. So, uh, Tim, Timmy Allen, just uneven performances from Timmy. You get glimpses yeah. where he'll go off for six or eight points here, but we haven't had that. We haven't had that 18 point. 10 rebound game from Timmy Allen in the Big 12 just yet. They he need that. The, they need he that. He was the focal point of last year's, you know, he and AJ and, you know, Courtney Ramey. They're going to miss Courtney Ramey, that lockdown defender. You remember, boy, that Kansas game, Courtney Ramey played like the defensive uh, performance of the year. I don't, they don't have that one guy they can just stick on a Marquise Noel, somebody like that, and saying, you take him out, you know. Not uh, not a starter because you know they'll bring in Jabari and if they want to get sure. a bigger guy they'll put they'll put Brock on him. But Courtney Ramey, man, that 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 um, job he did against Obaji, yeah, I will always yeah. remember yeah. that. Just shadowed him all over the court, you know. <clears throat> so I don't and I like Texas bench. I mean, you know, you got Arterio Morris, you got Christian Bishop, who's a lot more physical down low. You got Jabari Rice, who. You know, I wrote in my nine things this week. He should be the sixth man of the year 
I mean, best pump fake in all of college basketball. Get to the basket, hit his free throws. He's he's darn good. So uh, I don't know, but benches can kind of be overrated unless you get in foul trouble. Because don't you think benches shorten? You know, when you get to March, you don't play as many people. Yeah, and 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 a lot of coaches shorten the rotation once the money games start. Um, exactly. Because right now Rodney's playing like nine or ten guys, and yeah, he's playing he's a lot. Say once once the money game started, he, he might shorten that rotation. He's got three legitimate guys, um, depending on the matchup. Because Christian Bishop to me is a starter. He's yeah. a starter. Oh, he is. And so and, does, and Desue has improved this year. Um, yeah, he is. He's played, you know, I wrote about him after they beat Texas Tech, and he didn't score a point, but, you know, he had a great block. He had a great uh, steal on a loose ball and a scrum on the floor. He took a charge, and, boy, that's when you know this this team is bought in with leadership, when you're doing those things and, you know, you're not even scoring. It, it doesn't go unrecognized. So, you know, I, I like this team. You know, it's – I don't know. I mean, the the Big Twelve champion. How many games are going to lose? Three or four? You think probably? Mm, probably Big four. Champion, maybe four. I four. mean, maybe if Kansas holds on, maybe they won't. Maybe they'll only lose two or three. But such a. I'm telling you, I watched. I was watching both games. Um, yeah. I was watching. I was watching uh, one one on the flat screen yeah. and one on the on the on the laptop and that Jalen Wilson. He's stud. He's a guy. I mean, he had like thirty-eight points. He's a guy, and um, gonna gonna be the Big Twelve Player of the Year. I I believe. Um, I I still think it's Kansas to win this. Conference. Oh yeah, yeah, I think so. They're gonna too. win this conference, and the the difference between now and recent years is it's not Kansas in a runaway regular season. No, it's gonna have to work for it this for year. Sure. They're not as formidable inside. Uh, Big McCormick is no longer with them. They're a little bit more perimeter-oriented uh, yeah. with Wilson and uh, and the Dick kid. Um, AJ Adams. Very yeah. good. Yeah, and the Westlake kid. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. A lot smaller. They're very good, but they're not they're not head and shoulders no. better than everybody else. But I still think they're going to end up winning this conference. Well, they run the ball so well. They run the court. They, they score in transition so well. They make you pay. Uh, if you have any turnovers and lapses on offense, they can turn your their defense into offense so quick. But it, it you know what worries me though, Doug. What worries that, me about Texas? They're gonna they, if they run into a which there aren't that many out there, but if they run into a big team, yeah, a team that's burly, a team that's got a a couple of six ten guys like Purdue uh, last year and Zach yeah, like yeah, yeah, that that hurt them. Um, yeah. You know, if they ran into Gonzaga again, that might mm-hmm. be a problem because Gonzaga Mark Fuse is a, is a great tactician, and they probably wouldn't run Gonzaga out of a gym again. And Timmy was very quiet, so um, that's that's what would worry me if I was Rodney, a team that's got some big guys because they still get they still pretty much get handled on the offensive glass, uh, mm-hmm. rebounding wise. They have they struggle uh, in that area. They give up a lot of second chance points. Yeah, before we leave the coaching thing, I mentioned a couple names. Virginia's 
Tony Bennett, who's won a national championship, beating Texas Tech in 19. Too slow. But I don't very slow-paced, defensive-minded. Slow. Not sexy. So, no. Nope. I think Joe Golding out at UTEP, you know, mm-hmm. he was at Abilene Christian, has been to the tournament a couple times. and Not a splash do- higher. Not a splash higher. You know, oh, Texas. He's a good buddy of Chris Beard's too. Of course, so is Rodney Terry when you when you think of it. So it's it's going to be interesting. Hey, we need to give some love to the UT women. They're back in the poll. They're number twenty five after knocking off uh, Iowa State uh, here on Sunday in Kansas. Shea Shea Gonzalez, player of the week. Player of the week nationally. I mean, she's bringing it offensively, and she and Sonya Morris. both taking some charges. They've got 46 charges on the year as a team, and it's looking more like a Vic Schaefer team. And I know they miss uh, Moore, who tore up her ACL, but Deanna Gaston is really – Really you know, playing the best the she's best ever, played. ever had. She has, and she gets in the lane. She can score. She can rebound, and Tater Jones and, back from her shoulder injury and getting back into the mix too. And Deanna's blocking shots too. Yeah, I've never seen a player get more excited about a block shot than Deanna Gaston. She goes <laughs> nuts. And how about a, how about Amina Muhammad, that that long lanky freshman? She's aggressive, you know. She had that flagrant foul, went boxing out a little bit, but she's not as scared okay. to mix it up. Vic either. likes that. Vic likes that. Yeah. And no, let's not forget the steady Shea Holly, and then and then the one that makes it all go, Rory Harmon. Rory um, Harmon. I think Rory Harmon is probably getting ignored on a national level because the Harmon aren't a top 10 team. But yeah. there aren't too many point guards that are as good as Rory Harmon. No, yeah. And, you know, Sonia Morris isn't doing as much now that Rory Harmon's kind of taken over. So, but, you know, Shea Holly, kind of a, a poor woman's Audrey Warren, you know, not as physical as Audrey, but, you know, she can hit a three. She can uh, play good defense too. So I think, you know, They've been kind of forgotten team, you know, unranked, going from rank to unranked, but seem like they're getting it together a little bit and maybe more like a Vic Schaefer team. Are there enough team, good teams in the Big 12 to get them up into that top 10? I don't know, Doug. Um, well, probably look, not. Probably I look not. at the schedule and they just there just aren't that many um, great teams in the league. I mean, the Iowa, holding Iowa State to six points in the fourth quarter was a coup. Um Winning 68-53. Uh, they got Texas Tech in Lubbock. That was, um, as of this taping, that was Wednesday night. So so we were not unaware. But the big one coming up at Baylor. At Baylor is the big one. And that is on Baylor's Saturday. lost a couple games. Baylor's not Baylor since Kim Baylor's Baylor is not ranked for oh. the first time in many, yeah. many a year. Yeah. And, um, you know, we 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 haven't held our tongues when it came to Kim Mulkey and our and some things that we just don't like about her. But uh, the one thing you could take to the bank is Baylor was always top ten, and she's got LSU up to off to like a seventeen and one start. So she's mm-hmm. doing Mulkey things in Baton Rouge. Uh, yeah, Nick Nicky's having a, having some problems in Waco. Not surprised. So, but basketball in full bloom. Baseball will be starting. Uh, before too long. Uh, I don't know if they're ranked. I think they're unranked. They're not. They're not ranked. But, you know, you got two guys back in Dylan Campbell and uh, EK, Eric Kennedy. Mitchell Daly's at second. They may try him at short. But, you know, Lucas Gordon back. Uh, who knows what T. Witt. I don't know if he's P. 
pitching yet at all, but uh, it's going to be a rebuilding team for baseball. We can go into that more in the next few weeks. But uh, Isn't that weird to say? Baseball's rebuilding. They usually reload, Doc. Yeah, they really do. And they start up at Arlington with, you know, Arkansas and a whole bunch of, I think, Vanderbilt's over there too. So they'll find out real quick uh, what they got and what they need to work on. So uh, anyway, let's, uh, let's, let's talk some NFL moving forward. On Second Thought. Doug, now we don't have to talk about losing basketball. Let's talk about winning football. America's team beat down Tom Brady, and we're bringing in America's broadcaster, Brad Sham of the Cowboys, 44 years in that freaking booth, and he's still going strong and wild, Brad. Did y'all do champagne on the plane ride back, or did you wait till you got back to Dallas? You know, I... I, uh put on a very unusual movie and went to sleep. And uh, I, I might have had one bottle of water instead of two. <laughs> Texas is now 15 and three by my count. And, and here you are griping about losing. But you're, you're part of the problem. See how negative he is, Fred? Unlike, unlike the team unlike you... Unlike Mary Sunshine over there who he works with. <laughs> unlike the team you work for, Brad... We've got high standards in Austin, sir. Yes, I understand. I understand because, as everyone knows, Texas is back. <laughs> oh, never left. Never left. Uh, I, here's uh, what I want to know. Uh, at any time in the last three or four years, did you guys observe a Texas-Iowa State football game and say, you know, that Iowa State quarterback looks like to me a guy who's going to have them in uh, Super Bowl contentions. Not his senior year, that's for sure. That's crazy. You know, said if if we had to list all the Big Twelve quarterbacks his senior year, he would have been the second tier. You know, he wouldn't have been you know top five, top six quarterbacks. He really had an off year. But boy, the first couple of years, of course, when he had Brees Hall with him, that helped uh, look pretty good. So, so you're, what you're saying is, Doc, if he's got really good players around him, he tends to be a good quarterback. Which he is now, right? Unbeaten. Funny how that works. Yep. They have, Brad, they have. Yes. They have so many good players on that team. Um, I think when they, when, when Brock Purdy came in and, and was put in the starting lineup, it reinvigorated George Kittle. He's back to being George Kittle from four years ago where he's just wreaking havoc in secondaries. And uh, Debo Samuel's a beast. And they just – they they have a lot of talent. They really remind me of the Dallas Cowboys. These might, these might be the two most talented teams remaining in the playoffs. Uh, the, the Chiefs don't have a dog at receiver. They've got, they've got Kelsey, but they don't have a real dog at receiver. But, well, but they, these, they, got, they, got a, they got a quarterback – who will turn cats into dogs. That's exactly right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But yeah, what, yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah. I know we were, we were all at Jerry World last year when Debo Samuel came in and just took over that game. Um, what's changed in the year since, and, and, and what gives you confidence that the Cowboys can go out there and get a W? Well, what's changed, I think, is both teams have evolved. Uh, in the NFL, the team, the best teams, changed twenty-five percent, uh, and the Cowboys have changed 
dramatically over the course of the season. And, and the 49ers have, uh, in some respect, because, you know, they – anybody remember Trey Lance? Anybody know that he's still you – know, know Heard he's the name. Heard the name. <laughs> yeah. So he was supposed to be the guy, and then Garoppolo was gone, and then Garoppolo wasn't gone. He was hurt. And now the season's over. Oh, except we got the water boy over here who's <laughs> – and uh, looked like Joe Montana all over again. It's crazy. And, and the key – I mean, I think they're really well coached. I, I love their scheme. I love – the main thing I took away from last year's playoff game was, was the physicality of their – run game scheme, the way they use both Kittle and Juszczyk, uh, and, and, and their weapons. And, of course, they both can catch the ball. They both block really well. And, uh, they've got a good offensive line, and, and they have dangerous weapons. And so you have to be extremely well-disciplined to hang with them. I um, can't say the extent to which the Cowboys really believed in themselves last year. I mean, I know they thought they were going to win. They thought they were good. They'd won the division. They'd won 12 games, had this great invigorated defense after having been horrific the year before in the pandemic year. Um, and, and, and it's not like they got blown out, but it feels in memory. Because if you remember the, the ridiculousness of the play at the end, right. They're actually driving to, to win the game. They're, they, they, a touchdown, next point, they're going to win the game. So it's not like they got blown out, but in memory, it feels like they did. Right. Like they got dominated. Um, so I think San Francisco is, has just built on what they were. I, I don't, they haven't regressed in any department that I can see. And the things they did well, they do well and maybe a little bit better. Uh, they have a great, uh, self-belief, and I think they're really well coached on both sides of the ball. I think D'Amico Ryans is one of the great young coaches. Uh, if, if he's if he, How he would not be the next head coach of the Houston Texans if that's the one he wanted. So yeah, I agree. There. But, uh, I mean, he's just got star written all over. Him. And he's he's picked right up from, from uh, Salah, what he had done before he went took over the Jets. I mean, I just think they're really good. And they're probably the best team in the NFC. Dallas um, is, is interesting. I mean, their defense is um, its probably better than it was last year. Uh, you wouldn't have expected them to lead the league in takeaways again because nobody had done it back-to-back years in about 30 years. Um I think they're a little more fundamentally sound, and they're deeper. They're a little deeper. They've discovered players, gotten a lot more out of players that nobody knows anything about, like Israel McQuamble. Van Der Esch has turned into a tremendous leader of the team. Barr has been a good addition. So they're solid, and they really believe in, in what they can do, and they're kind of on a mission. And offensively, um, you know, what they've done with the offensive line throughout the course of the year is kind of amazing. You, you wouldn't have predicted, you know, on draft day they got hooted uh, at universally for drafting Tyler Smith. Um, he now looks like a fixture for however long he wants to play, and no one would have predicted that Tyron Smith would, would uh, rip off his hamstring, miss the whole year, and then come back and play the position he hadn't played since he was a rookie and play it like he'd been playing it all his life. 
So that kind of stuff is hard to predict. Um, I think the one area that's hard to gauge is the wide receiver area. Clearly, they don't have anybody with the physical gifts of Amari Cooper. And they obviously knew that they had to address it. That's why they drafted a guy and signed a guy. And neither of them has been able to do anything. I think Washington has signed with the Giants after being released. And Tolbert is not going to be active. T.Y. Hilton came literally off the couch. And he's now the second receiver. You know, I think Michael Gallup, is a, he's a threat. He's dangerous. But he... For my money, he's been a little bit of a disappointment. I don't hold it Big against one. him. Big disappointment. You, you know, I think you just got to – it takes different athletes different amount of time to get uh, back from and fully mentally confident with their body parts after you have an injury like a torn ACL. But he hasn't been they, – they expected him to be the number two receiver when he got healthy. And he was a third receiver last year, and he's a third receiver this year. So that's an area where – uh, now, the receivers aren't playing each other, thank goodness. But clearly, I think that's an area where Dallas is not as good. But C.D. Lamb has stepped up, and he's he is an all-pro. He's as good as any number one receiver in the league. I know Jefferson's had a phenomenal year, but C.D. Lamb, is a, he's a major league player. And I, I would love to see them use their tight ends a little bit more. <laughs> they found him again. Ultimately yeah. great. And well, he did, and Ferguson's good, and uh, they and I don't know that they just flat refused to throw to the backs practically. I don't know why, but uh, especially Tony Pollard. I mean, you know, I went into the game Monday night looking at the statistics, and I you know, I knew that Leonard Fournette had run well in the first game of the year, and not very much since. But what he did was <clears throat> they were running Tampa's running game for better or worse is basically to throw the ball in the flat. Now, Leonard Fournette caught 77 passes during the year. I mean, look, they were they were eight and nine, so I'm not holding them up to be the paragon of football. But, you know, they had a pretty good quarterback. Leonard Fournette caught 77 balls. Ezekiel Elliott caught 17. And it's not because he dropped the ball. And, and Pollard and Elliott put together caught fewer passes than Fournette. Crazy. And then Rashad White caught another 50. And they had Evans and... Godwin. Two other... And Julio Jones. I mean, so... Those coaches know a lot more than I do. (laughs) You can tell it by the paycheck. But uh, that... We'll see. Who knows what they hooked up. But I, I do think that the Dallas coaching staff has been pretty good about finding the right matchup on the deck, finding what's going to work for them. And um, the great thing about this game, I think, is that they're not supposed to win. There's really not a lot of pressure on them. I mean, San Francisco is supposed to win. Um, I would gather, I I would venture to say that without having been out there, the San Francisco's players absolutely know 100% and the marrow of their bones that they're going to win the game. And I will, I will tell you from being in the Dallas locker room after the game Monday and again today, uh, they're not afraid. They're ready to go. They think they're going to win. That's good. There's something about that uh, there's something about that 
being overlooked a little bit and being doubted and being on a mission. Mm-hmm. When you're talented, it's not like they don't have any players. They're pretty good. And then I think they've got some good motivation. I think it'll be a good game. What's, uh, Brad, what's your biggest worry? I know the run defense for the Cowboys haven't, hasn't been all that this year. Uh, and then they – I read where the 49ers got this guy. Let me write this. Christian McCaffrey, I think you've heard of him. You know, I've heard uh, of him. I, 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 heard, I read something about him. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, that's that would be one of the biggest worries. Obviously, the Cowboys have not really mastered the run defense. Now they are better <clears> with Van Der Esch and Hankins. True. In the lineup. But, yeah, um, I'm looking at their – I'm looking through this little packet of San Francisco statistics I've got here, and they averaged um, – they average rushing for 138 yards a game. Yeah, that's, pretty pretty that's pretty healthy for NFL. <laughs> it, it is. And they gave up 77 yards a game. Wow. Yeah, they got a killer defense, too. Yeah, well, that's the thing. See, their defense is really, really, really stout. Yeah. So I think for Dallas to win, they have to be very creative uh, offensively to create opportunities. And they have to continue to do the one thing that they have done most of the year, and that's take the ball away. They have to do that. Brock Purdy is still a rookie quarterback. He is. The record doesn't say so. The record doesn't say so. Well, he's thrown thrown, uh, four interceptions in 170 attempts. I told you. I told you he's human. He's six and zero too. <laughs> He's thrown thirteen touchdowns. Uh, so, yeah, it, he's yeah he's a rookie quarterback surrounded by a very good team, and that <laughs> and just that just adds to it adds to the lore. What you know, if they win, then that's part of the legend forever. If Dallas wins, then it's it's you know they they made Tom Brady human and they turned. Uh, Purdy back into, you know, a cyclone. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, kind of the Joe Burrow of last year. What Ted? The, the the we got to ask you about Tom Brady. I mean, I'm I'm the youngest guy in this conversation. It's always fun to say that because I'm not young anymore. But it took me back to Muhammad Ali fighting Larry Holmes. It was. It was cringeworthy. It was hard to watch at times. I watch watching the goat, the best to ever do it. I mean, said, at the helm of that 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 offense, and he doesn't need to play anymore. But he's still in there, and he's got he's got twenty four year old boys chasing him around. I mean, if you're ten years younger than me, your ass don't need to be playing in the NFL. I don't care who you are. Babe said to me on the airplane. Babe Laufenberg, my breakfast partner, said to me on the airplane coming home. He said, don't you feel a little sorry for Brady? And I said, no. <laughs> I don't feel sorry for Brady. He's got millions of dollars. He does whatever he wants. No, I don't feel sorry for Brady. No. He's won everything there is to win. Uh, the, if, if you'd watched the whole year, said if you'd told me that's who he was all, all year, then I would say, yeah, okay, he's he's stayed a little too long at the dance. But now they weren't, they weren't good by their standards. But you know, 
part of my preparation last week was watching their game with Carolina two weeks ago, now three, where they won the division. Oh, they're kind of just kind of bumping along and not doing anything special until, and they're down by 11 points at the beginning of the fourth quarter at home to Carolina. And then uh, Brady throws the ball 57 yards in the air and drops it right into Mike Evans' hands. <laughs> then he does it again, and then he does it again. So, no, yeah. I don't feel sorry for the guy. He can still it, do that. It's I funny, Brad. Brad, uh, I was with Sid. We were at a, we were at a, a bar having a beverage uh, uh, Monday night, and then uh, I was listening to you and Babe on the way home in the, and in the second half, and said, you'll love this. It's like – they're leading 24 to six and Brady's looking awful and babe is going milk the clock, milk the clock. And, and, you're, and yours truly Brad said, no, we need another touchdown. We need to, <laughs> that's, 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 that's not, he's not going to do that again. It's over. Tom I've Brady is him. over. I've seen him do it. I've <laughs> seen him do it too many times. I've yeah. seen that movie in color and black and white. I've seen it as a Western. I've seen it as an astronaut movie. I've seen it as a as a medical show. I've seen uh, it every way you can do it. Uh, well, I'm not going to believe that he's not going to do it until he doesn't do it. What was really funny to me in retrospect is that we reached a point somewhere in the fourth quarter. <laughs> Babe was ready to start talking about San Francisco. And I said, no, you're not. And he we, then it became kind of a running joke. And he said, well, you, you just tell me when it's okay for me to talk about San Francisco. I said, I will tell you. And I, I don't know if there were six minutes left and <laughs> something like that. And he said, can I, can I talk about it now? I said, no, not yet. Not quite yet. And, uh, then it got down to about four minutes. And, uh, <laughs> and I said, they, do they have time to have enough? To, to, that's respect. He said, no, they don't. And then about that time, they recovered an onside kick. <laughs> right? And then you think, now we've got about three minutes. So I said, all right, you go ahead and talk about something. Okay. Three hey, there's, or three there's, a rumor, there's a rumor going around that the Cowboys either signed you or Babe Laufenberg to handle the kicks in San Francisco on Sunday. Is that true? It was definitely not me. I can tell you that. I can, I can debunk that. I got a text which I read during the game from my buddy Merrill Reese, who does the Philadelphia Eagles. And, uh, and he said, uh, we'll see you back here next week and babe kick, <laughs> which I thought was cruel. <laughs> Very cruel. Uh, you know, this is such an unusual situation. And um, we all know kickers. And they're just different. They're different. And my... I have seen just here in the last, as we are having this conversation just in the last hour, a rumor that they're going to audition some kickers. I don't know. That see, that feels somewhat problematic to just bring somebody in at this stage. Given the year that Brett Maher has had, mm-hmm. he is not one of these flighty kickers who you're worried about him, behaviors off the this is a really solid, steady guy who's had just had the year of his career and never given you a uh, just even a, a hint of worry. What, he missed three all year? He missed three extra points all yeah. year, and he missed three field goals, and two of them were from 59 yards. 
amazing year. Yeah, a tremendous year. Led the league in touchbacks. And now what we know about kickers is when you get it, that one is obviously, clearly, and literally, historically bad. And I, we, we had a uh, media session with John Fossil, the special teams coach of some note yesterday, and and he was talking about how Maher was you know, really distraught and they were working on it and they thought he'd be fine. And I and uh, I said, Bones, considering that he also missed the one in Washington, right? I said, do you believe in the yips? And he said, I do believe. I also believe in the hot hand. And right. so our, our job is to get the hot hand back mm-hmm. during the week. But we all, you know, you guys are probably going to be able to call up more golfer yip stories. I go immediately to things like the late Steve Blass, the Pirates pitcher, who suddenly could not throw the ball literally. He, he could not yeah. throw the ball uh, back to the catcher. Uh, Steve Sachs, Chuck Knobloch. Mackie Sasser was a catcher with the Mets who had been around, was a veteran guy, good player, suddenly literally could not throw the ball back to the pitcher. And then, as you're saying, Doc Knobloch and Sachs. Steve Sachs. And so, I mean, there's a whole bunch. They just all of a sudden got yeah. guy, Steve Sachs is out there saying he's an all-star. He's a rookie of the year. He's right. don't hit the ball to me because I, somehow I, I can't remember how to throw it to first base. Yeah. So that, that happens, and and they just, they've got to work on that and uh, trust the process. My, my inclination would be, and, and I was asked this on our radio station uh, Tuesday morning, they said, what would you do? And I would say, I would, I would love on the guy. I would hug him and tell him we believe in him. And uh, everyone knows he had a bad day, and we've also seen him all year long. And we're here, you just go be you. And and then, you know, you have to hope. And then so, and then sign a kicker and take two kickers to San Francisco, right? Uh, yeah, no. that, that's no. so fraught also. <laughs> that, you know and, what? And, and I'll get into some weeds with you a little bit that, that I kind of learned this from Bill Parcells. So, you know, you get two what they call elevations from the practice squad. Mm-hmm. Uh, just in the playoffs, you, you can elevate a player in the regular season up to three times. But in the playoffs, it's the lid's lifted and you can elevate them as many times as you want, but still only two a game. Right. Okay, well, now, you just lost Jason Peters right. with a hip injury. He's certainly not going to play this week. And he probably wouldn't be available in the championship game if they win. So now you have to look at the composition of your reserve offensive lineman and see who your backup tackle is. If somebody gets hurt, who is your backup tackle? Because Jason Hmm. Peters is out. And you're going to probably uh, elevate Xavier Rhodes again uh, because he's a veteran and he knows what he's doing out there at cornerback. And now there's your two elevations. So are you going to cut a player to make room for a second kicker that you just signed? That will surely put your kicker tremendously at ease. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't see that as a good idea, but it's something you have to consider because uh, the, the, the worst-case scenario that coaches and executives are tasked with uh, – 
worrying about it all the time is, are you sure you want to go into a game with the guy who just missed four extra Right. And, you and, know then, and then the problem is Dallas scores on its first drive, and he misses the extra point. Then you're going, holy crap, now what do we do? You go for two from there. Every time? Every time? I mean, right, you do. They have right, you do. Two. Um, no more than three times all year. Because they, they have the one of the best kickers. But if he's not that guy anymore. But I'm going to say. they have an emergency kicker? If he'd have gotten disabled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure who it is. But, uh, but yeah, they have an emergency everything. Yeah. But, but it's uh, not you, Babe. Yeah, it's not. It's not Babe, and it's not Brad. It's definitely not me. And Babe's got uh, as bad a back as I do, and so I don't think it's him either. I'm going to say this about. Have, I'll tell you what he does have. You guys will get a chuckle out of this if you remember when Parcells was the coach, and uh, and they signed Mike Vanderjack, who the Colts had cut. Remember, at that time, Vanderjack was the all-time leading. Oh yeah, scorer in the NFL history. But the Colts let him go, and the Cowboys signed him. And I believe they were training him in San Antonio. And, oh, God, he was awful. He was Horrible. He missed everything in sight, all training camp. And uh, so reporters went up to Vanderjack uh, after, after practice one day, after one of the first couple of preseason games, and she couldn't hit a barn. And Vanderjack said, hey, tell him not to worry. I'm, I've been doing this for a long time. Just everybody don't work. And then they went to Parcells. He said, Bill Vanderjack says, don't worry. And Parcells says, yeah, tell him I'm worried. <laughs> babe, babe had two T-shirts. Well, Babe didn't have it. His sons had two T-shirts made up that they gave him for Christmas one year. And one said, tell him not to worry. And the other said, <laughs> Tell him I'm worried. <laughs> and for a couple of years, he brought those to the booth every game and hung them up in the, in the booth. And uh, he hasn't done that for a while. But uh, we, he and I have discussed it, and he is bringing the shirts to San Francisco. Well, Very well, nice. Those are some old shirts. <laughs> yeah, we're a couple of old guys. That's, That's true. true. But you know, hey, you know, uh, guys, uh, real quick, yeah. Brad Meyer has – He's been with these guys. He's their kicker. And and I love what Dak said. I played a crappy game myself last week. but So I kind of get it. I think he bounces back. And um, I don't know that he'll be a factor in this game. Because I, I, I don't know. But I, th- I think he bounces back. But I, I love the fact that Dak stood up for him. Even though there was... Some video of Dak on the sideline going, uh, we need to go for two. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, and he said it more colorfully than that. Yes, he did. <laughs> now, he did. And, and my problem with that, and I, I've never had any hint of an issue with anything Dak Prescott has said or done. It, as soon as you start saying go for two, and it's not your job to call the play, then what are you going to say when you throw two interceptions and the defensive guys? Come up and say, "Why don't we run the ball?" Absolutely. You, you don't. You don't leave your. You can't yeah. criticize a teammate, right? Because you are going to make a mistake. It's a and, given. Uh, and I understand. Everybody understands the frustration. But I yeah. think my sense is that 
you know, players are human. They, they're, they, they're concerned about it too. But as you said, Cedric, he's their teammate. They've been with him from the beginning and he has bailed them out. He's been clutch and they know that and they appreciate that. They do. And, and, And one thing he probably shouldn't have said it, but it's the kicker. And the kicker is held in a different light than, than an offensive tackle, a cornerback, a safety, a linebacker. You got one job, boy. You make field goals and you make extra points. And then we won't talk to you, but we'll accept <laughs> you because you're a little nerd who's not really a football player. Isn't it great that this game, which is so predicated on physicality, often comes down to the least physical people? On the on the field, the kickers. That's the irony of football. Great, sweet irony. Yeah. Hey, uh, Dan Quinn. Is he going to be a head coach next year? I mean, you would want to say yes, um, you, but probably would have said the same thing last year. Right. I think that uh, he hasn't done anything <clears throat> this year to make people think less of him as a candidate. Um, He's got a relationship going back with the Denver general manager, which is why a lot of people thought that um, he was going to take that job last year before they uh, gave it to Nathaniel Hackett. Um, I do believe him when he says he is really, really, really happy, and he has reached the stage of his life where he'd have to, he, he believes in being where his feet are, and um, it would have to be something really, really good to get him to leave. I, I would say let's see what happens over the next month if they if they were to win three more games, mm-hmm. even two more games. You know, he might view it differently. He has been a head coach. He knows both the greatest exhilaration and the worst depths <laughs> of everything there is to being a head coach. Yes, he is. And I don't know if his uh, uh, ego is greater than his perspective. It's going to be hard for him to lose a game right now. What about Kellen Moore? Is he ready to be a head coach? Depends what people are looking for. I, I, I like to see, if I'm hiring a head coach, and it doesn't have to be public, um, I do like to see someone who man's room who uh, who is in charge and, and who by the way he carries himself uh, makes people respect him because he's got to be more than a tactician he's got to be a leader of men Helen's very very quiet uh, yes who are in the offensive room with him would indicate that he's got absolutely the personality to be a head coach. I I don't know how many people have seen that side of him, uh, and I, certainly there have been some there have been some really steely, um, quiet-ish head coaches. I, I, I don't know why Chuck Knox is coming, to mind, but he he I don't know if he was a guy. He looked scary, though. He, he did look scary. <laughs> Just that he had to Seattle and Buffalo, he didn't, you know, he didn't seem to be loud and and braggadocious. But there's 
there's a lot of guys that to me, I don't know what it is. I, when I think of a head coach, um, I have a hard time, especially looking at the current landscape, not thinking of Mike Tomlin. I mean, the guy's just, you want consistency. Kellen mm-hmm. is that. Uh, to me, Tomlin just exudes control, tough fairness or fair toughness. Yeah, uh, and a complete grasp of the situation, and you just can't imagine any situation, including dealing with the media, which is a big deal uh, when you're a head coach. You can't imagine anything being bigger than Mike Tomlin. So that's kind of my personal template. And if I were if I were hiring a head coach, I always like experience. That's good, but I I I. Uh, I would have to, someone would have to really talk me out of the Mika Lions if I was hiring a head coach. I remember doing some Alabama games when he was playing there. And in addition to watching tape, did some research and just heard nothing about the Mika Lions going back to being in high school other than leadership, charisma. And and now as he, then you watch him play, you watch him play in Houston and Philadelphia, to say nothing of how he played at Alabama. Mm-hmm. You watch him play, and and yeah, okay, that that's an alpha dog mm-hmm. right there. And now you see what he has done running the San Francisco defense, and uh, and frankly, in in candor, if I was hiring, I would really be looking for the best available African American candidate I could find because those scales are out of balance. Yeah, he's definitely one. He's up there. Yeah, and the only way they're going to be brought into balance is is if someone uh, makes that a priority. Now, it, there could be some years where the best available black candidates to be head coaches are just not as good mm-hmm. as the half a dozen best available white candidates. So you <clears throat> don't want to take an inferior candidate to lead your organization. But everything I've seen and know about D'Amico Ryan's is that he is you if you were going into the lab and make one that's what you'd make oh yeah and, and so i don't know why you wouldn't check every single box first um but but dan quinn's got a lot going for him he's been there he understands how to do it he's certainly a leader uh he's communicative and and i think you have to be that he's very with the media he understands the media's role you know, I, I can't overemphasize that part of the job. On second thought. Kellen is very smart and uh, he's, he's friendly to a fault. And I've never seen him show any signs of impatience. Um, I don't know how commanding he is prepared to be in charge of an angry, hostile media. And sooner or later, you're going to run into that because all three of us know how we can be. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's a part of the job. It's not as important a part of the job as managing your players and, and hiring your staff and managing the game. But the head coach is an important part of the job, and uh, that will get you in a hurry if you can't do it. Yeah, last thing I want to ask you, Brad, is, I mean, there's nothing like the NFL playoffs. It's so darn zany and unpredictable. I mean, last year, those 
last four games before the Super Bowl, just everything coming down to the last play. And, you know, Buffalo almost getting beat by Miami. Ravens really outplaying the Bengals. Is there any one thing that's kind of jumped out to you uh, about these postseason so far, Brad? Well, just, uh, Duck, I think the quality, the, the teams are all good, obviously. The San Francisco-Seattle game was the only one. Yeah. Really not competitive. Even the Dallas-Tampa game, which never was close uh, once the Cowboys got their second. If you think about it, it's 6 nothing, and Tampa's driving to potentially take the lead. And mm-hmm. then J-Ron Curse gets interception in the end zone. And even at two scores, it's still Tom Brady. So, uh, you know, that, that makes a 24 to nothing game closer than – but everything else has been uh, – look what Jacksonville did to the Chargers. For Friday. Oh, my God, Jacksonville. Wow. The way the Baltimore-Cincinnati game ended, uh, the Giants handling Minnesota. But this is, um, this is the way the NFL has built it. They've built mm-hmm. it for the games to be close and exciting. And um, that's why they have all the money, and it works. They're <laughs> they're doing exactly what they set out to do. And uh, if you don't have a dog in the fight, it's really just great entertainment. You know what? And this is the big boy round. This is my favorite week <laughs> of the NFL season coming up. Mm-hmm. These are the eight best teams, and you know, I, I always say about the. I I, I personally think said that the best uh, sporting event in America is the NCAA basketball. There's no question. A, there's an equality to it. And yeah. Everybody wants to see Chaminade and <laughs> everybody wants to see St. Mary's win uh, and get through the first round and get to the Sweet 16 and maybe pull up. And nobody wants them in the Final Four. <laughs> That's, That's exactly everybody right. Want, everybody's for Cinderella. <laughs> shows up. At the end, and then you, then everybody wants to throw her out, and so that's kind of how these are. Now, there's no, there's no shamanades in the NFL, even in the wild card round. But um, yeah, when you get to this round, you're right. Doc, there's no, there's no um, weak sisters anymore. I guess Jacksonville be the closest, right, to Cinderella. Pretty good. Yeah, right, right now they're uh, pretty good though. They, they are pretty good. They, they're a fun team to watch. They'll get better too. Um, but, the, yeah, they're they're all good. They're all good. And, you know, everybody wants to see Buffalo and Kansas City, even if it's in Atlanta. Right. Everybody wants to see that. And and I think most want to see San Francisco and Philadelphia. And uh, and that would be a good game. But, you know, the great fun of it is the, the Giants think they're going to win. They're confident. And Their coach the Cowboys, exudes it. The Cowboys think they're going to win. I was, I, was, I was getting ready to go to work this morning, and I thought, you know, the Cowboys are going to work today with the conscious thought, almost gleefully, that they are getting ready to come out to San Francisco and make uh, 75,000 people prop. <laughs> that's, that's what Love we're it. looking forward to doing. And they might do it. They might do it. And, there would, and they wouldn't be the first Dallas team to go out there and make the 49er fans cry. No, no, they wouldn't. And, you know, there will be all of that. I mean, I, I get it. If I was sitting at home and didn't wasn't invested in this game, I would be interested in all of the things you're going to see on all of the pregame shows this weekend. And it's not just the three years in a row they were in the championship game in the early 90s. It goes back to Kezar Stadium. Mm-hmm. My first 
um, one of one of, and I wasn't there, so uh, even I am not that old. But one of the one of my first memories of seeing highlights is the game they came back in uh, the early seventies and uh, at Keysar Stadium. I got this metal image of Larry Cole rolling around on the in the grass <laughs> in sheer delight as they came. Staubach brought him back. Uh, very young Staubach, and they pulled off a big upset, and and um, all of that. I mean, you know, John Brody is part of the part of the legacy, and, and I'd say ninety nine percent of the people who are listening to this conversation have no idea who John Brody is. <laughs> they don't. But that's that is part of all of the legacy. There's all of that buildup. Um, just imagine if this were the championship game. Oh my Ooh. God! Then you really. But if if the San Francisco, uh, I mean, if the if the championship game turns out to be well, it would be an NFC East game, and it yes. would be Dallas, Philadelphia, or Dallas, New York, and How about that, yeah. How so, about I mean, that? yeah, the hype train, the hype train is just fueling up right now. And yeah, right, this is this is a big boy round. There won't be any, there won't yeah. be anything uh, easy out there. Yeah, that's it. Cowboy 49 rich, rich history, and uh, a lot of special memories. And Brad, thanks for creating some more in advance, and uh, we'll be listening. Thanks. Appreciate that. Safe right. travels, our friend. It, All right, yeah, be fellas. safe, sir. Thank you. Okay, bye. bye. Go easy on the long horns. <laughs> <laughs> I'll talk to Seth about it. <laughs> uh, not happening. Not happening. On Second Thought. <laughs> Duck, always great to talk to Brad Sham. So many stories, so many fun times over the years. And he is, you can tell, our friend is reveling in this moment. It's going to be a great weekend. Uh, the Cowboys do have a realistic chance of going in there and getting a yeah. win. That'll be very entertaining. I don't know. Which game are you looking forward to the most? That one? That one. Absolutely that one. That's yeah. that's the one I'm looking forward to the most. That's sexy. And like you said, this is a great weekend. you got your eight best teams, and it doesn't get any better than this. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. And shout out to our, our former editor, Jason Jarrett, who I suspect will be going to to a um, maybe Lake Tahoe. He goes every year on this weekend, and uh, they they have some time doing some very adult things with their pocketbooks during NFL weekend. Easy, Gotta easy. love that. Good. Have fun out there, Jace. Well, man, that's Kirk. That's gonna do it for us for two eighty four. Uh, all over Longhorn basketball, men and women, check them out uh, this week. And the Dallas Cowboys trying to get back to the Super Bowl for the first time since the 95 season. We will see on Sunday. Can they take a step closer? Thanks for joining us. For the Duck, our producer Chandler, I'm Sid Golden. We'll see you next time. See ya. You've been listening to One Second Thought. Powered by Hook'em.com. Join Seth and Kirk every Thursday at lunch for a new episode. Archived episodes are available on iTunes and Google Android Play. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. 
from the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.